Book Two, Chapters Three through Five of the Wars of the Jews. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wars of the Jews by Josephus, translated by William Whiston. Book Two, Chapters Three through Five. Chapter Three. The Jews fight a great battle with Sabinus's soldiers, and a great destruction is made at Jerusalem. Now before Caesar had determined anything about these affairs, Malthace, Archelaus's mother, fell sick and died. Letters also were brought out of Syria from Varus, about a revolt of the Jews. This was foreseen by Varus, who accordingly, after Archelaus was sailed, went up to Jerusalem to restrain the promoters of the sedition, since it was manifest that the nation would not be at rest. So he left one of those legions which he brought with him out of Syria in the city, and went himself to Antioch. But Sabinus came, after he was gone, and gave them an occasion of making innovations, for he compelled the keepers of the citadels to deliver them up to him, and made a bitter search after the king's money, as depending not only on the soldiers which were left by Varus, but on the multitude of his own servants, all which he armed and used as the instruments of his covetousness. Now when that feast, which was observed after seven weeks, and which the Jews called Pentecost, i.e., the fiftieth day, was at hand, its name being taken from the number of the days after the Passover, the people got together, but not on account of the accustomed divine worship, but of the indignation they had at the present state of affairs. Wherefore an immense multitude ran together, out of Galilee, and Idumea, and Jericho, and Perea, that was beyond Jordan, but the people that naturally belonged to Judea itself were above the rest, both in number and in the alacrity of the men. So they distributed themselves into three parts, and pitched their camps in three places, one at the north side of the temple, another at the south side, by the hippodrome, and the third part were at the palace on the west. So they lay round about the Romans on every side, and besieged them. Now Sabinus was affrighted, both at their multitude and at their courage, and sent messengers to Varus continually, and besought him to come to his succour quickly, for that if he delayed his legion would be cut to pieces. As for Sabinus himself, he got up to the highest tower of the fortress, which was called Phaselus. It is of the same name with Herod's brother, who was destroyed by the Parthians. And then he made signs to the soldiers of that legion to attack the enemy, for his astonishment was so great that he durst not go down to his own men. Hereupon the soldiers were prevailed upon, and leaped out into the temple, and fought a terrible battle with the Jews, in which, while there were none over their heads to distress them, they were too hard for them, by their skill, and the others' want of skill in war. But when once many of the Jews had gotten up to the top of the cloisters, and threw their darts downwards upon the heads of the Romans, there were a great many of them destroyed. Nor was it easy to avenge themselves upon those that threw their weapons from on high, nor was it more easy for them to sustain those who came to fight them hand to hand. Since, therefore, the Romans were sorely afflicted in both these circumstances, they set fire to the cloisters, which were works to be admired, both on account of their magnitude and costliness. Whereupon those that were above them were presently encompassed with the flame, and many of them perished therein, as many of them also were destroyed by the enemy, who came suddenly upon them. Some of them also threw themselves down from the walls backward, and some there were who, from the desperate condition they were in, prevented the fire by killing themselves with their own swords, 
but so many of them as crept out from the walls, and came upon the Romans, were easily mastered by them, in reason of the astonishment they were under, until at last some of the Jews being destroyed, and others dispersed by the terror they were in, the soldiers fell upon the treasure of God, which was now deserted, and plundered about four hundred talents, of which some Sabinus got together all that was not carried away by the soldiers. However, this destruction of the works about the temple, and of the men, occasioned a much greater number, and those of a more warlike sort, to get together, to oppose the Romans. These encompassed the palace round, and threatened to deploy all that were in it, unless they went their ways quickly, for they promised that Sabinus should come to no harm, if he would go out with his legion. There were also a great many of the king's party who deserted the Romans, and assisted the Jews. Yet did the most warlike body of them all, who were three thousand of the men of Sebasta, go over to the Romans. Rufus also, and Gratus their captains, did the same, Gratus having the foot of the king's party under him, and Rufus the horse, each of whom, even without the forces under them, were of great weight, on account of their strength and wisdom, which turned the scales in war. Now the Jews in the siege, and tried to break down the walls of the forest, and cried out to Sabinus and his party, that they should go their ways, and not prove a hindrance to them. Now they hope, after a long time, to recover that ancient liberty which their forefathers had enjoined. Sabinus, indeed, was well contented to get out of the danger he was in, but he distrusted the assurances the Jews gave him, and suspected such gentle treatment was but a bait laid as a snare for them. This consideration, together with the hopes he had of succor from Varus, made him bear the siege still longer. CHAPTER four. Herod's veteran soldiers become tumultuous. The robberies of Judas. Simon and Athronoas take the name of king upon them. At this time there were great disturbances in the country, and that in many places, and the opportunity that now offered itself induced a great many to set up for kings. And indeed in Idumea two thousand of Herod's veteran soldiers got together, and armed and fought against those of the king's party, against whom Achiabus, the king's first cousin, fought, and that out of some of the places that were the most strongly fortified, but so as to avoid a direct conflict with them in the plains. In Sephorus also, a city of Galilee, there was one Judas, the son of that arch-robber Hezekiah, who formerly overran the country, and had been subdued by King Herod. This man got no small multitude together, and break open the palace where the royal armor was laid up, and armed those about him, and attacked those that were so earnest to gain the dominion. In Perea also, Simon, one of the servants to the king, relying upon the handsome appearance and tallness of his body, put a diadem upon his own head also. He also went about with a company of robbers that he had gotten together, and burnt down the royal palace that was at Jericho, and many other costly edifices besides, and procured himself very easily spoils by rapine, as snatching them out of the fire. And he had soon burnt down all the fine edifices, if Gratus, the captain of the foot of the king's party, had not taken the Trachonite archers, and the most warlike of Sebasta, and met the man. His footmen were slain in the battle in abundance. Gratus also cut to pieces Simon himself, as he was flying along a straight valley, when he gave him an oblique stroke upon his neck, as he ran away, and brake it. The royal palaces that were near Jordan at Betharamtha were also burnt down by some other of the seditious that came out of Perea. At this time it was that a certain shepherd ventured to set himself up for a king. He was called Athrongius. 
It was his strength of body that made him expect such a dignity, as well as his soul, which despised death, and besides these qualifications he had four brethren like himself. He put a troop of armed men under each of these his brethren, and made use of them as his generals and commanders. When he made his incursions, while he did himself act like a king, and meddled only with the more important affairs. And at this time he put a diadem about his head, and continued after that to overrun the country, for no little time with his brethren, and became their leader in killing both the Romans and those of the king's party. Nor did any Jew escape him, if any could accrue to him thereby. He once ventured to encompass a whole troop of Romans at Emmaus, who were carrying corn and weapons to their legion. His men therefore shot their arrows and darts, and thereby slew their centurion Arius, and forty of the stoutest of his men, while the rest of them, who were in danger of the same fate, upon the coming of Gratus, with those of Sebasta, to their assistance, escaped. And when these men had served both their own countrymen and foreigners, and that through this whole year three of them were, after some time, subdued, the eldest by Archelaus, the two next by falling into the hands of Gratus and Ptolemaeus, but the fourth delivered himself up to Archelaus, upon his giving him his right hand for his security. However, this their end was not till afterward, while at present they filled all Judea with a piratic war. CHAPTER V. Varus composes the tumults in Judea, and crucifies about two thousand of the seditious. Upon Varus's reception of the letters that were written by Sabinus and the captains, he could not avoid being afraid for the whole legion he had left there. So he made haste to their relief, and took with him the other two legions, with the four troops of horsemen to them belonging, and marched to Ptolemaeus, having given orders for the auxiliaries that were sent by the kings and governors of cities to meet him there. Moreover, he received from the people of Berytus, as he passed through their city, fifteen hundred armed men. Now as soon as the other body of auxiliaries were come to Ptolemaeus, as well as Aretas the Arabian, who, out of the hatred he bore to Herod, brought a great army of horse and foot, Varus sent a part of his army presently to Galilee, which lay near to Ptolemaeus, and Caius, one of his friends, for their captain. This Caius put those that met him to flight, and took the city Sephorus, and burnt it, and made slaves of its inhabitants. But as for Varus himself, he marched to Samaria with his whole army, where he did not meddle with the city itself, because he found that it had made no commotion during these troubles, but pitched his camp about a certain village which was called Arras. It belonged to Ptolemy, and on that account was plundered by the Arabians, who were very angry even at Herod's friends also. He thence marched on to the village Sampho, another fortified place, which they plundered, as they had done the other. As they carried off all the money they lighted upon belonging to the public revenues, all was now full of fire and bloodshed, and nothing could resist the plunders of the Arabians. A mouse was also burnt, upon the flight of its inhabitants, and this at the command of Varus, out of his rage at the slaughter of those that were about Arius. Thence he marched on to Jerusalem, and as soon as he was but seen by the Jews, he made their camps disperse themselves. They also went away, and fled up and down the country. But the citizens received him, and cleared themselves of having any hand in this revolt, and said that they had raised no commotions, but had only been forced to admit the multitude, because of the festival, and that they were rather besieged together with the Romans, than assisted those that had revolted. There had before this met him Joseph, the first cousin of Archelaus, and Gratus, together with Rufus, who led those of Sebasta, 
as well as the king's army. There also met him those of the Roman legion, armed after their accustomed manner, for as to Sabinus, he durst not come into Varus's sight, but was gone out of the city before this to the seaside. But Varus sent a party of his army into the country, against those that had been the authors of this commotion, and as they caught great numbers of them, those that appeared to have been the least concerned in these tumults he put into custody, but such as were the most guilty he crucified, these were in number about two thousand. He was also informed that there continued in Idumea ten thousand men still in arms, but when he found that the Arabians did not act like auxiliaries, but managed the war according to their own passions, and did mischief to the country, otherwise than he intended, and this out of their hatred to Herod, he sent them away, but made haste with his own legions, to march against those that had revolted. But these, by the advice of Achiabus, delivered themselves up to him before it came to a battle. Then did Varus forgive the multitude their offences, but sent their captains to Caesar to be examined by them. Now Caesar forgave the rest, but gave orders that certain of the king's relations, for some of those that were among them were Herod's kinsmen, should be put to death, because they had engaged in a war against a king of their own family. When therefore Varus had settled matters at Jerusalem after this manner, and had left the former legion there as a garrison, he returned to Antioch. End of Book 2 Chapters 3 through 5